0: electrical, but I
1: need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! What are you looking at, butthead? Nobody calls me chicken needles. Nobody! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here?
0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, You're going to see some serious shit. Welcome back to the future. Ha ha. Good one. Good one. Okay. You don't have to patronize me. My name's Jeff. And I'm Eric. And uh, we normally watch Spielberg movies, but now uh, just uh, as a bonus to ourselves, we're watching Spielberg adjacent films and then refusing to mention him completely in the episodes (laughs) that are adjacent. Uh, So we've been doing Back to the Future because one of us has not seen. Yes, you you maniac hasn't seen Back to the Future 3. So we're making our way through it uh, so we can
1: finally have Eric complete the entire series. Right, right. So this week we watched Back to the Future 2. And watching Back to the Future 2, it suddenly struck me why... And I had a lot of reasons in last week's podcast, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, defenses for why I hadn't seen Back to the Future 3. But watching Back to the Future 2, like it really dawned on me why I hadn't seen Back to the Future 3. And that's because Back to the Future 2 is horseshit. And uh, I, I, I disliked it so much upon seeing it way back when that I decided never to pursue the series any further. Wow. Okay. Well, it's been a good run, and um, <laughs> this is the
0: end of the show. <laughs> We're done. Listen, I I don't know what to tell you. I just okay. Okay, keep going. I I'm at a loss for words. I need a moment to collect myself.
1: Well, I feel I feel like we can get there. Let's go ahead and start the way we normally start, and I uh, give give our history with the film. It's back to the future, too. It's
0: you hate it, right? Okay, fine. I would say it's before watching it this time, it was my favorite of the trilogy. Watching it again right after watching the first, I'm like, okay, I can definitely see some problems here that the first one did better. Like, there's a lot of uh, hints towards what's coming. And in the first movie, it's a lot more subtle. And in this movie, it's more like, hey, look, hey, look, look at this thing. This is going to come back. Hey, look at this thing. And um, so that I could definitely say was a lot more heavy handed. Um, But I'm a fan of the uh, character of Biff and um, his performance. And I think that uh, Tom Wilson knocks it out of the park in this one. He's great. And he gets to do so much. He plays so many different versions of himself. That that's why I like it because it's Biff's movie.
1: I, I I can I can I can get behind that. I can get behind Tom Wilson's performances. Um, I can't really get behind much of the rest of the movie, at least the first half of the movie. Um, it, okay, so I I believe uh, I kind of spoke to this last time. I didn't see this in the theaters. I uh, saw it on VHS for the first time, and um, and honestly, uh, my memory was a little cloudy because I had never gone back to this movie. I may have seen it once or twice over the years, but it's nothing that I like sought out specifically. Um, I remember back in the uh, mid '90s, I was on a, a VHS buying spree; like I spent way too much money buying VHS. Yeah. And, Where are they now? Yeah, uh, uh, in the basement until it flooded, and then a dumpster. Um, okay. But I never, I never did buy Back to the Future two or three on VHS. Uh, I I remember uh, just kind of. I've always had this kind of vague dislike for Back to the Future two, but I I it was too fuzzy in my memory really to put my finger on it. But having we just watched it last night, I was like, oh yeah. I get it. I remember. I remember why I didn't like this movie. Um so yeah, it's it's not one that I've revisited a lot. Uh which is interesting because I love I love the first one Beyond Reason. And man, mm-hmm. I I really feel like this movie drops the ball in so many ways. Um so yeah, I mean I Okay. <laughs> I am a solid thumbs down on Back to the Future 2.
0: That's Totally fine. Once again, as we start creeping our way closer to Hook, are you starting to see that maybe I still will like it because
1: I still like this film? Yeah, no, and that's... And I don't hate always like you did. That's fine. And, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I've always, like, between the two of us, I've always considered myself to be uh, more uh positive <laughs> <laughs> okay although you are quite positive on things as well but i i always thought that like you would be the one to have what movies have i dunked it, on that you it, were just like yeah none none i don't know why i have that impression but okay uh, uh i think it's just because of your history with the other podcasts as oh yeah the okay. guy who doesn't put up with bull crap, <laughs> you know okay that's fair <laughs> So I never thought I would find myself in this position where I'm the one like disliking something and you're the one liking it. Um, But yeah, I I I can't I can't even put my finger on what I feel is the biggest misstep in this film, uh, because there are so many. I think first and foremost, uh, the choice to not pay Crispin Glover and get him back kneecaps this movie i think that it was a huge error to write crispin glover out of this movie um and then they ended up paying him anyhow i don't know like if you read about the history but no
0: i just knew that he and and i agree
1: completely crispin glover
0: i mean you got to get those original four back right michael j fox doc leah Thompson and Crispin Glover back. Well, five because then you got to get Biff. So, without one of them, it really kind of hurts the film. And I think Crispin Glover is in the the top three of that, right? I mean, I think it's like Michael J. Fox, Biff, and maybe Crispin Glover are like the three most important ones.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely think so. So, uh it, it seems as though when it came time to make this movie, they. They offered him a lowball offer um, and, and we're going to pay him less than Leah Thompson. And he dug in his heels and said, no, you know, I want I want a fair offer. And then he also asked for script approval, which, of course, you know, that's that's a big ask. Um, and they said no. And he dug in his heels and was just like, forget it then. I'm not doing it. Um and and eventually what ended up happening was they they rewrote the movie to write him out as much as possible yeah. uh and have him be dead in the in the alternate 1985 and uh and then he sued them for using his likeness anyhow and one and it set a precedent in hollywood it's it's like a well used precedent now that uh, you cannot use somebody's likeness without their permission um, in a film because they, they did go back and reuse footage from Back to the Future 1 and uh, put makeup on somebody else to make him look Crispin Glover-like yeah. for the brief, brief periods that George is in the film. Um, but I, I really felt like the dynamic between Marty and George was one of the biggest strengths in the original film. And uh, just having him removed entirely from the film... Uh, takes a lot of the heart out of the movie, you know? Um, But just because it was such a focus of the first movie, you know? Yeah,
0: it was George's movie. Like I said, when we recorded before, it's like the first one is George's movie, this one's Biff's, and the next one is Doc's.
1: Yeah. Um, And I'm okay with the focus on Biff, um, but I also feel like with this movie in general the first movie had what I would call heightened characters you know Biff is a heightened character George McFly is a heightened character you know but they are still characters Um, a little a little cartoony in their behaviors but still characters this movie has cartoon characters for characters oh you don't like Griff Griff is the worst goddamn thing. Like, Griff just sets my jaw on edge. I'm just when did you become the physical type? <laughs> just grinding my teeth watching Griff. And all of Griff's uh, henchmen, who are like the worst stereotypical 1980s movie henchmen, who just like scream stuff, bah, 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 in the background. While um, they're in Cafe 80s. <laughs> it's the, They're just the worst that entire sequence is Ugh. the worst, most so, cartoony nonsense. And it sets the tone for the whole film, you know? And, and like, as soon as Griff shows up in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, so this movie isn't taking itself seriously at all. You know, the first film at least takes itself seriously. Yes, it's comedic, and yes, it's light. It's way
0: more grounded than this one. But it's yeah.
1: way more grounded Yeah, And it also takes the time for realistic character interactions. And this film doesn't have any realistic character interactions, even between Marty and Doc. Marty's conversations with Doc the entire time were like, Doc, I blew it! Marty! You know, like the whole film, Doc, I blew it! Biff got the thing, Marty! That's all they say to each other. Um, And and it, it never slows down long enough for anybody to have any moments of meaning between them at all. Like I'm thinking of the conversation in the first one between Marty and George at the gas station where Marty's kind of like coaching him and uh the the quieter moments between Marty and Lorraine, you know, where things are being revealed to Marty that perhaps he hadn't realized about his parents and things of that nature. There there are no moments of enlightenment or revelation or interest in this movie it just wants to go 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 and be a cartoon i'll say that for the first half of the movie i think it improves dramatically when it goes back to 1955 um and if anything agree. if anything saves the movie it's that that segment that takes place back in 1955 that's that's where this movie invests all of its cleverness and, and so on but i I still don't feel like it's strong enough to live up to the first film. I'd be interested to see how you
0: feel when the next movie barely takes place anywhere. I, but the I'm rest. not writing it off. <laughs>
1: I, I I'm, I'm not. I'm not writing it off. I'm 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 going into it with the hopes of enjoying it. You know, um, yeah. be, like I'm interested in the Wild West setting and I all of like that. Um, but uneasy. So, so I could I could end up saying, you know, like, this is better than that. I don't know. Uh, but I'm certainly not going into it with a bad attitude. Yeah,
0: I agree with uh, pretty much what you said as far as like it's not as subtle as the first one. They don't set up things in, 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 in the same way, like in the first one, there's so much you miss and then you go back after having seen it and you're like, oh, there's leading into that. Oh, you know the, what Lorraine, what, why were you in the tree? And then you find out and you go back and you see that conversation. And now, you know, this does a lot more like even it go pushing into the next movie. Right. They're like, I can't, well, I've always wanted to go to the old West. And then right when he goes the Biff's big, you know, Trump towers, some sort of place, they're playing a video of, Griff, uh,
1: not Griff. Wild, which, um, wild Biff, whatever. The old, old. I Biff.
0: can't remember the character's name, but Old West Biff. And then you're like, okay, that's coming in the next movie. Like they just kind of really say, we're going to the old west. Um, which I get, and I think that your criticisms are fair. They don't break the movie for me. I love the stylized future. I I love um just. The things they get wrong and the things they get right. I, uh, You know, they were one year off on saying what year the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> they said 2015 Cubs won. They won in 2016. That's pretty good. The cafe 80s is 80s. Like if they were to make a, a, a cafe 20s for us or better, let's say 10s. What what would that look like? How would we even put that together? in our brains living in it, you know, we wouldn't. But they figured out what the eighties are, and how to really because if there were a a cafe eighties, it would pretty much be that, except for the 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 servers being all TVs with you know eighties characters like Michael Jackson, all Ronald Max Reagan, out, yeah, Max Headroom,
1: um, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I I don't have. A problem with the way the future is represented i have a problem with the people that live in the future so mm-hmm. like i i actually find a lot of that like future tech stuff that they're showing in, in the movie to be interesting and entertaining like like oh they, they had some cool ideas and i like the fact that it's not all like post-apocalyptic raining all the time foggy you know it's a bright sunny representation of the future i like the flying cars i like the hoverboards i like a lot of the stuff oh, that they have going on man going on Come in on. the background you know like i think that there's the like it's a very busy background i enjoyed <laughs> i don't know if you noticed when they first arrived when they're in the alley uh where they abandoned jennifer for the first time which we'll get to um the trash behind them It's all laser discs discs. and CDs. (laughs) It's laser discs (laughs) and CDs, all kind of like. That's another
0: prediction on their part because laser discs weren't out yet when this movie, weren't out of fashion yet when this movie came out. And yet here they've got it. You know, it's like all these laserdiscs are garbage. No one's
1: actually using them anymore. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I just thought that they picked stuff that looked futury in hopes that we wouldn't notice that <laughs> it was all laser discs. One of them actually has an MCA logo on it, which I yeah. thought which I thought was kind of funny. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with with that bright and cheery representation of the future. What I didn't like about those future scenes is how none of the characters felt like characters. And that extends mm. to uh, future Marty and uh, Marty's kids. He had two ties. What do <sighs> you want? He had two ties on. That's the style of the 2015s. Or, like, uh, I I... I don't feel like we spent enough time with future Marty to understand what the hell is going on with future Marty. I don't think the uh, the thing with Griff trying to convince his kid to do a a robbery or whatever crime, the hell, yeah. a crime of some sort, I don't think that there's enough there there to actually make that make sense. Like the scene is set up so quickly and it's just like, okay, we're going to echo the first movie you know from the 50s diner and we're going to have this this scene with griff and marty the way that we had with biff and george um but i don't think that there's enough time given to like what the hell is going on in these scenes to really make them have any impact whatsoever um in in future marty like he's being tempted into doing a crime with Flea, who's maybe yeah. setting him up Flea's and then in he it. gets fired 10 out of 10. By his boss, by facts. Because nobody and, calls him chicken. And where the hell did that come from? That came out of like, nowhere. That came out, out is, of nowhere. And it's like a huge recurring theme in the movie that nobody calls Marty chicken. And, it's an arc for the final two movies. It it
0: only shows up in in these two movies.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess they were like sitting around one day and they are like, what can we do to make Marty act dumb? Oh, I know. He doesn't like being called Chicken because he makes wildly stupid decisions when somebody calls him Chicken. And, and uh, uh, I, Well, I, and even when they do,
0: uh, uh, with the exception of the flea one, he actually goes through with it. But like when he's like, don't call me Chicken, he ends up running away most of the time. Right. <laughs> like, anyway. Gets mad and so.
1: then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, like, that whole little bit of storyline like it doesn't make any sense and ends up being entirely inconsequential because they immediately delete that timeline anyhow you know and so uh, the, the i guess it was fun to dress up Michael J Fox as a, a young woman uh which i have to say is the best makeup job in the movie um because there's some yeah. there was some rank makeup in this movie yeah but, a lot of the 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 aging makeup is not great. Yeah, much much better done again in the original. Um, maybe because it was used. I to don't a, know. A I like extent. I like uh, old Biff though. Old Biff, hello. <laughs> old, Come Biff, on. old Biff at least has gained the, old Biff the wisdom of awesome. age. Yeah, like
0: and then you get
1: the old Biff interacting with young Biff. It's awesome. No, that's pretty good. I like the way he dresses down young Biff. You know, yeah, with the make make, like, make like, like, like a tree and get out and leave. You sound like an idiot when you say it. Yeah, I liked that bit. So the, there are there are bits in the film that I enjoy, but um, again, overall, it just felt like disconnected episodes that barely can be fit together. Uh, the nineteen, the alternate nineteen eighties. I really didn't like. Yeah, so you know. this
0: is a a three-act play and so the second act takes place in alternate
1: 1980s. Yeah. And I had a, I had a very hard time with that entire thing. Um I, Lorraine's boob job. <laughs> I mean it is what it is. But it's some it more, is a bit ridiculous. Some more poor poor uh makeup situations. Um I really didn't understand why when Marty confronted Biff about the almanac, mm-hmm. Biff starts monologuing and takes it out of the safe to show Marty, and, like, there's this whole scene, and then he's like, and now I'm going to kill you. Like, it didn't make any sense. It would have made much more sense if Biff just pulled out the gun and shot Marty. No, but Biff's a narcissist.
0: Yeah, is he, though? Biff likes like, to talk. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Biff is a narcissist.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah, he... he Listen, the the evil monologue at least fits the tone that the movie is already set. Um which is that it is a cartoon or comic booky, you know. He's he is an evil monologue guy. Um but yeah, I like that scene. I I like all the stuff with Biff. I'm just a sucker for the character and 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 um his portrayal. So Tom Wilson's portrayal.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I like when
0: he's in the hot tub and he's got the two women there and he's watching another movie. <laughs> this movie, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to spoil it, but basically the um they're watching this Clint Eastwood movie. And then Marty shows up and he says, Grays, is it Grays or Browns? It's Grays Sports Almanac. And he's like, you heard him, ladies. Party's over. I, I just, I I like all of that. It's good. Okay, Biff is awesome.
1: Yeah. I I like. The, he goes from
0: being a, a a terrible person and a rapist to a full on murderer. So <laughs> this
1: movie, I like the uh, the additional 1950s Biff that we get. I like seeing Biff oh, at his house. Boy. I like yeah. seeing Biff like be mean to the kids on the street <laughs> and steal her ball. I, yeah, that actually makes oh, you me want laugh your ball out back?
0: loud. Go, Go back. get it. And all the interactions with his mom where are you coming home i'm going to the chairman of the sea dance yeah all like you said so well let's stick in the in the alternate 1985 for just a little bit longer okay so you get to see uh billy zane again (laughs) and the crew they're back um and so like they establish that george is dead For we're not really sure why, but they do tell you that uh, Biff murdered him. Uh, uh, Emmett Brown has been committed. The house is a mess. He explains how the whole alternate timelines work. And I like that scene because they're like, okay, let's just go back to the future and and get the thing. And he's like, we can't. Because we'll go to the alternate future, we have to go back, and I just like that explanation
1: because it actually made sense. It and does, it, 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 and it, that part actually kind of addresses some of my concerns from the previous movie, or not concerns, but like questions about alternate timelines. So it like it kind of like reveals what the rules are a little more deeply. So they are not necessarily uh, creating branches. Everything reforms around a centralized timeline. So when right. they alter it, they're altering one centralized timeline, and then when they change it, it changes back. But it, it essentially isn't creating all these infinite branches and and things. Uh, there is one one central timeline that everything kind of regels around as they make changes.
0: So you find out that old man. So we forgot to mention the be- the first part. Marty buys the the gray sports almanac to make bets, you know, to win money because you got a guaranteed win and Doc stops him but in the process old man Biff finds out about it, takes the book back, gives it to old man uh Biff and then leaves. So that's what starts the the or young Biff and starts the timeline. So they have to go back to 1955. To get that book and it's just a it's like the day of or the day before the uh, the lightning storm that is the finale of the first film. And like you said, I agree completely that once they go back to the 50s, the movie really goes kind of back to its roots a bit. Virtually, that's just totally true. They go back to 1955 and it becomes um, back to the future again.
1: Yeah, and I really I really like the bits with them like Marty kind of weaving in and out of his own previous experiences. Um, having just watched the original, I was a little sensitive to like, oh, that's not the right line reading. Oh, that sounds a little weird. Oh, the music is a little different here. You know, like I was really picking up on like things that they didn't quite nail. Um, Johnny Be Good plays differently in this version than it does in the original, you know? Um but uh but I, I really did like those pieces with him kind of like sneaking around himself and and uh, seeing these events take place from a different angle. But again, they were very crippled by the lack of George. You know, they were able to film alternate scenes with Lorraine. But George, you're getting the same footage, you know, but seen through binoculars. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, peering through the blinds and seeing the same footage Um, and and gosh, I, I really just think they just shot themselves in the foot by not paying up. You yeah, know? totally. I, I think for
0: sure it would have having Crispin Glover would have made it so much better. And I, I I'm curious as to what the story would have been. Um but real quick, in nineteen in the the twenty fifteen and they're playing the the uh Wild Gunman, did you recognize any of those kids? Oh Elijah Wood. Yeah. Yeah Elijah Wood's in there. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I just uh Didn't want to miss that. Um, So, yeah, like you get to see the 1955 more from Biff's perspective because Marty is following him around trying to get the book and you get to see. Marty's in the backseat hiding and they go. Well, because. All right. So at the end of the first movie, Biff's car is destroyed by a manure pile because he crashes in the manure so he's getting it fixed and it was 500 bucks to repair it and marty hides in the back but then old man biff gets in the car and then the move just uh old man biff with young biff is so good uh only biff knows how to start his car and old man biff knows how how'd you know how to do that old man that this whole sequence with these two biffs is it's on its own level
1: for me. I love it so much. No, I I agree. I agree that it's good, and and that Tom Wilson is really good in the scene, both both ways. Um, it plays out very well. the The character interaction is good, and seeing the difference between you know a young, hot headed version and an older, wiser version of the same person is pretty cool. Um, I guess they used a uh, a new camera technique to do these too. It was the first time it was ever used. And it allowed the camera to move while while they had instead of just a straight on, you know, yeah, with a split with some, screen. They,
0: there are definitely points where it's looked good. And then there were points where, like, oh, it looked bad. But I think the the Biff Biff stuff tended to look some of the best as far as the the two people,
1: two actors on the screen at the same time effect goes. Yeah, agreed. Um I think the the point where it was most noticeable to me is when Doc is talking to Doc towards the end, and they've yeah. got that light pole in the middle. <laughs> the arm shows up on the other side of the light pole. I thought, I mean, it was, but there were points where it was so seamless, I was kind of like, oh, how did they do that? Like at one point, one of them like throws the magazine to the other one who catches it, and I was like, man, they really must have done that a lot of times to get that to line up correctly, you know. Yeah. Um I really like the Doc doc scene because it it really illustrates this is the first time
0: doc has gone back to 1955 um and he's seeing all of the memories of him setting that up to him that's distant you know past you know and i i like his acting in that moment i think he does a good job i think the score really helps it
1: it it is Um, a cool moment yeah because for marty it was yesterday
0: but for doc it was this is no big deal for doc he's never been
1: back He's never been back. Yeah. So for him, it's kind of a nostalgic moment to be like, oh, yeah, it's the thing I set up. Um, I do think, however, though, that younger 1950s Doc uh, is an idiot in that scene. You know, like not recognizing his own voice, not figuring the whole thing out. Like he knows there's a time machine at play yeah. here. And there are a few moments like that where you just have to like completely disregard that somebody. Like when Marty is talking on the walkie-talkie in Biff's back seat, he's in the back seat for okay, God's yes. sake! Like if somebody <laughs> Doc, is Doc, talking, he's not even whispering. It's like, <laughs> right? Hey, Doc. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's like, come on, man so yeah yeah uh
0: so the whole point of them going back is to get the book right so uh they go to the dance you get to see some classic scenes i think he took that guy's wallet good you gotta leave. come on that's a classic line no I think he took yeah. that guy's wallet because <laughs> well and then you get a lot more strickland um i really like the whole stuff at the school getting the book back, and then you get the final scene in 1955 with them in the tunnel. Love it. Love the whole tunnel sequence with the hoverboard and him holding on to the car and trying to get it. Really,
1: I think some really great action to kind of
0: cap off the film.
1: It is great and, and cool special effects in that sequence as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm down with the whole school sequence. I actually like all of the 1955 stuff. I mean, that's, that's what get, makes me give this movie like a six instead of a two, you know, like it ooh. saves, ooh, ooh, ooh. it saves real quick. We need to, we need a, a a
0: bar for the low end. What would you give 1941 <laughs> on a scale of one to
1: 10? A one. Yeah. Like a one so or a two. So this is better. Barely, I would say the first half of this movie is on par with nineteen. Uh, I like, cannot
0: get behind that, but okay, it's your own decision.
1: Well, it's the first half. The <laughs> second half, the second half bumps it up. You know, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Like, and then like the ending. I mean, to people in the theaters in nineteen eighty nine when this came out, that ending must have been so unsatisfying. You know, like it's just I don't even know like is it a cliffhanger like what do you even call that like yeah a cliffhanger you've, you've just seen half the movie you know it, uh, and then it comes out right
0: afterwards like you don't have to wait I saw back to the future 2 in the theater and then after the movie ends you get a trailer for back to the future 3 in the theater not just on what you know the video versions so I It didn't bother me at all because I'm like, oh, okay. You get to see that it's coming and it's like a year away maybe. And in the realm of uh, when movies come out, even today, that's pretty quick. But back then it was lightning quick because they filmed both of them at the same time. So it didn't, memory serving me, didn't bother me that much in the theater um, because I knew the next one was right around the corner. And... Yeah, I, and I I don't mind the cliffhanger. I mean, it's like Empire Strikes Back ends unsatisfyingly in the sense that it's unresolved or Two Towers or any other second part of a trilogy, you know, where the, the story arc takes place over three films. That's how it ends, you know, but... Yeah, I, it doesn't bother me to have it just... You know, oh, and then he goes back and he finds younger Doc and I just sent you back. Says, yeah, but I'm back again. And then he faints and it's to be concluded in the third part. And then like the, the next movie is going to open in the 50s. So you'll be happy about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will be happy about that. I, I, I will say that it did make me interested to see how they're going to get Marty back to where he belongs or, or back to the 18. What is it? 1885. Is that it? yeah yeah and there's no, like the DeLorean's
0: gone right so right um yeah and I think I hope you enjoy it like I uh, I'm disappointed you don't like this movie but it's okay all right let's talk about Elizabeth Shue then because like when we yes last uh episode on Back to the Future I said you know I said is we kind of discussed who was better Elizabeth Shue or the the original actress so Having now seen the film with Elizabeth Shue as Jennifer, how do you feel? Oh, Uh, you uh, wanted to talk about her being abandoned, so we'll just kind of lump that into...
1: Well, yeah, so um, first of all, I was wrong. They didn't recast Jennifer because they were unhappy with the performance of the original actor. The original actress uh, dropped out for personal reasons, Uh, so they had to recast her with Elizabeth Shue. Um, She's no better. I, 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 I found the presence of Jennifer in this movie to be superfluous, bordering on offensive. Like the way I don't know. Other than the fact that they put Jennifer in the car at the end of the first movie, there's no reason for Jennifer to be in this movie at all. And the fact that they do have her in the movie only gives them the opportunity to treat her horrendously. Like, she is a piece of unwanted baggage in this movie that they keep dumping places. Her only sequence in the movie of consequence is when she's sneaking around uh, the uh, 2015 house, and that is only is in the movie to give them the opportunity to show the other characters aged up and then have her see herself aged up and then pass out. Um, but the way... Doc and Marty treat Jennifer in this movie is horrible, horrible, unthinkably bad. And and the <laughs> fact that Doc is just like, no, nah, just leave her there over and over again. They abandon her in an alley yes. underneath trash. They heap trash on her in the alley and just leave <laughs> her there, <laughs> right? And after knocking her out. And then they leave her on the front porch of her home in alternate 1985, which is quickly revealed to be a crime-ridden hellscape, and they just leave her there. Like, Doc says something like, ah, we're gonna fix the timeline anyhow, she'll be fine. It'll transform around her, which okay, from a
0: logical, and I can get behind where you're going with this, so from a logical perspective, he's wrong. Because it that Jennifer is dead when they fix the timeline to me, like that whole sequence disappears. Right. Right. Even though I not to spoil it, but doc is right. Uh, but from the logic beforehand, um, I don't think that that timeline exists anymore when they go and fix it or she lives on (laughs) or that does exist in its own dimension and she lives on, in this world where this horrible 1985
1: without Doc or Marty to explain what the hell happened. Right, she just wakes up yeah. on the porch in Biff World where and you know everybody looks like house, Mad, Max, Mad Max characters <laughs> and there are bars on the windows and then no one is there because Doc and Marty have just <laughs> left her just there. Left. And it, yeah. really, it really made me think about the ethics of the situation. So let's say you take a loved one to a bad future and abandon them or witness something horrible horrible happen to them like let's say that jennifer was attacked or let's say that some horrible thing befell her and somebody cut off her fingers with pliers like let's just say some horrible stuff happened to jennifer right and you know that it happened. You go back and change the timeline. So from your perspective, it never happened. Does that negate that person's experience in the moment because it never happened? No, so, I don't think so. That's
0: like with clone movies or uh, Oh, I'm cloning myself so I can live forever. Well, no, you're still dead. There's just another version of you. You know, like So that other version still very much experience and is, has those valid experiences. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, if you download your consciousness into an AI, you're still dead. You're still like, dead. That's just a copy. They just think that the that new
0: consciousness thinks that it's you and that it's alive and living forever and that it worked, but you still died. Like, just be, you know, you're just like making a copy of a copy. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that she does get done completely dirty in this movie. And I, I think the specifically the porch one, like he she's like, where are we going? What's going on? And he's like, well, bring her concerns her, too. Why did he say
1: that? Like, well, why not just? Well, why I did mean, say I guess he say that you and your wife turn out fine? Because they're not fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, he even
0: pauses for a minute to think about it. I think he was like, well, they are a mess. But he goes, I can't. No, no, you guys are good. You know, like you can see him pause. But I think one of the reasons that I think maybe they got shoehorned into having her there because the first movie ends with Jennifer getting in the car and them going. And then they had to rewrite the script because of the lack of Crispin Glover. And maybe her plans for the second film kind of got nixed in the
1: rewrite. And so they had to kind of shoehorn something in. Maybe, yeah. But in the end, it just makes Doc and Marty look even more like unethical nightmare people. Doc is unethical. Doc is
0: undeniably unethical. Yeah. Like, because even the whole thing, you can't know too much about your own future, and this whole second film is predicated on them going to fix the future, Marty's own future. You know, so... Yeah, he's he's not ethical. Well, it, yeah,
1: I mean Marty, Marty has to take some responsibility for this too. Like, if I put my wife in a time machine and we sure. went to the future, and my buddy was just like, "Let's just leave her here on the porch," I'd be like, "Dog, no, we're not." They have just a time her- machine. What's the rush? Like, what is the rush
0: for Doc to get to 2015 to fix things? Right. It's not Bill and Ted rules where you still have this weird thing that doesn't make sense is like the time is still ticking in San Dimas but you have to like at least in in Bill and Ted there's a they at least establish there is a time limit but in this movie you have all the time you could possibly need why not drive her to the house dump her out she doesn't need to know that Doc's weird thing is a time machine it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah but I'm with you i'm with you yeah slow
1: down make a plan like after that's not
0: doc though he never well he does make plans but that's
1: only when he's forced to have time right right but yeah i mean (laughs) like essentially they travel to the 1950s at this certain set date and then they just act as though they can't go back a day or two like you have this nuclear reactor on the car you can make as many jumps as you need to make
0: yeah because they have mr fusion now
1: Right, pop back and intercept Old Biff before he even gets the, the book to Biff. You know, like there are... Well, aren't... they can't do that. They explain why. Why? Because they need I Old seem Biff to, to leave that. the timeline. That's right. They need Old Biff to go back. But then when Old Biff goes back to bring them back the DeLorean, then Old Biff uh, would then vanish. But, okay, wait, 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 wait. There is a problem. When There is a problem. When Old yes. Biff comes back to 2015 with the DeLorean, he shouldn't come back to that same 2015. He should be arriving at an altered 2015, which would be the future from Biff World. Right? Like yes. It is a big, logical failing in the time travel mechanics of this mess of a movie. Doesn't bother me, but yeah. <laughs> he, I thought that myself. He does need
0: to now you could maybe argue that they at when the time he left that young Biff hadn't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's true. Um, he should go back, but I also think that he's dying in that scene when he gets back and he's kind of like keeling over because that Biff is dying and that timeline is maybe reshaping. Maybe there's a delay. I don't know, but um, yeah, so that's fair. That's a fair criticism. But in I guess the thing is, is I've never really had a huge problem suspending disbelief, uh, especially if everything else is working. I'm like, ah, that's just fine. You know, whatever.
1: Yeah. I I'm mean, having fun. Like in general, you know, the movie is nonsense in general. Like, like all of the Back to the Future movies are nonsense because time travel doesn't exist. And we're talking about these arbitrarily and created And there's still rules.
0: problems time travel wise with the first one. Yeah. There should be two Marty's. Um. Which didn't you bring that up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there aren't two Marty's. There should be the Marty that always grew up with the confident George and Lorraine, and then our
1: Marty. But there isn't. You which, know, which yeah. would probably lead to a Marty face off. Now that of would Martys be a good be second like, film. I'm right? the like only Marty.
0: Doc didn't think about it. We gotta murder this other Marty Marty. <laughs> I would
1: rather see that movie. I would rather see Doc and Marty what running around and left trying him to in murder heap <laughs> <laughs> right? some trash out of them, you guys.
0: Uh yeah. I, I so the movie ends, they they burn uh Gray Sports Almanac, all the timeline is set correct,
1: and then the DeLorean gets struck by lightning and disappears. Yeah, without going 88 miles an hour, breaking its own rules yet again. Um, well, they don't need roads, so I'm willing. I'm willing to buy that. And and I am. I, I appreciate the the sequence with Marty getting the letter from Doc. I did want him to get under the umbrella to read the letter instead of standing there and letting it get soaked in rain. You know, like yeah. this letter is. Did you recognize the guy who uh, delivered the letter? He's the dad from Freaks and Geeks. Yes, but he's also your jackass. Oh he is <laughs> Yeah.
0: From uh Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Good that's one. how I always see him. Oh, but yeah, Freaks nice. and Geeks, he's great in that show. Yeah, he um, is. He's really but funny he'll in that always show. be jackass to me. Jackass. Uh but yeah, I love the letter. I love the it, it's worn. I like the the fact that the guy's like, we had a bit of a bet going on whether you'd be here or not, and they're just kinda like the post office is really curious as to why this letter's been here for so many years. and that's another part where I can suspend disbelief that letter would have never made it you know what I mean and and that letter um is key to Marty's success in the next film and that's a lot for old like old west doc to be banking on the very young post service that he is using but it it works out you know
1: yeah, I would think that that would have to be set up at least through like a an attorney's office that, you know, would still exist in the future. You know, I think he says it's Western Union, but either way, like that. Yeah, is still I mean, a lot that is to, true. Doc does have up. knowledge
0: of the future. So I think. But just by him and this again, this is where you have to with pretty much all time travel movies, you always have to suspend disbelief because I've yet to see one that doesn't have logic gaps in its time travel. And him just even going back to 1885 changes the timeline. So that letter would go to a very different Marty, you know, like it's sort of like the butterfly effect. As soon as you step foot in another pass, you've automatically changed it no matter what. And so their timelines in these movies are a lot more sturdy than I would say would be realistic if time travel were real, but. Again, none of that bothers me because it's it's the sort of thing you have to kind of get over to have fun with the film. And it doesn't bother
1: me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know if you're a, a Rick and Morty guy. I'm not like a hardcore Rick. And I watched Morty the guy. first season. Me too. And, and I watched, enjoyed it, but I, I just never went back. Yeah, me too. Um, maybe I watched the second part of the second season too, but I'm not, I'm not a hardcore guy, but I do enjoy the way that that show plays with some of these ideas about, you know, alternate versions of the same person. And, you know, before well, I mean, Rick and Morty are doc and Marty. I they, mean it, they are. And yeah. before you get too far into the show, you know, that you're dealing with maybe not the originals anymore, you know, <laughs> then, like you can never really be sure if the versions yeah. you're looking at are, you know, the originals and, uh, I think that that's a a fun idea, like a very clever but crass show. The way that it plays with some of those concepts.
0: Yeah, I had fun with it. I might watch it again if it's streamed somewhere for free. I think it's on HBO Max. Anyway, it is. (sighs)
1: So So, I have some questions. Yes, I have some questions. Uh, in the course of Back to the Future Two, we're alter we're altering these timelines and one of the impacts that is happening is we are killing George McFly and bringing George McFly back to life. Right? Right. Now let's consider for a moment that let's just let's just concede that the Christian idea of death in heaven and hell is real in this universe. Right? Okay. Okay, I already know where this is going. <laughs> what is happening to George in this experience? So let's say George is killed, right? And we're going to presume that George is a good person. George goes to heaven, right? George's whole mm-hmm. soul is in heaven. And then the timeline shifts. Does George get plucked out of heaven and shoved back down to earth? That would be hilarious, but. <laughs> <laughs> Does heaven follow the same temporal rules? Are there as as multiple Earth?
0: heavens? That's the question. That's are there multiple works. heavens? When you get to heavens, there's all the multiple versions of. Of yourself that doc and marty have just messed up <laughs> like right. them creating the time machine you <laughs> know and god's like okay hold on now <laughs> and there's multiple versions of george like okay this is the dead one uh this is the old man version who was confident and and lived t- to old age and this is the old man version who is not confident from the beginning of the first film so there's three of you
1: Um, you
0: know, like, yeah, right. If there's only (laughs) one heaven,
1: God has to sort through the different George's. Right. Or you have one George soul that's bopping back and forth and having to relive. I imagine this George gets a lot of deja vu because he's having to relive huge portions of his life, you know, and then like going down these alternate paths dies, goes to heaven, gets pulled back down 30 years in the past again, has to go. So if George does only have one true soul, uh, that soul has seen some action. Yeah, That's, that's I didn't think of that. That's pretty funny. Okay, let's think about alternate versions of Biff, right? Gladly. So, when Biff is in 1985, at the end of Back to the Future 1, and at the beginning of Back to the Future 2, that Biff seems to have learned some life lessons, right? He's still a little smarmy trying to cheat people out of the second coat of wax, but for the most part, he seems like a pretty good guy. Like he's excited to run out and show Marty his new matchbooks, right? Like he's, he's not a jerk. He's not mean. You can say that maybe this version of Biff has grown and has, uh, kind of repented for his bad rapey ways. You know, Uh (laughs) (laughs) that piece of him might still be inside there somewhere. But for the most part, this is a person who has, uh, kind of straightened out their life. Admittedly, he lives a modest life as a car detailer, but uh is not a criminal, is not in jail. You're gleaning a lot from one scene, but I'm just saying, you don't know what he does. By <laughs> by messing your- with the timeline, then are let's just okay, let's just assume then that Biff has learned his lesson and is a good person. By messing with the timeline, then Under the same Christianity rules, are Marty and Doc dooming Biff to hell by taking away his opportunity to be a good person and forcing him into a timeline where he becomes a bad person? As in the bad 1985 version? Yes. Because they end up fixing
0: it and he goes back to being this squirrely version of Biff. Um, Does he?
1: Does he end up this way? At the end of the last movie? I want to say so. I, mean, I can't- Okay, don't don't spoil it. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But... Oh, okay. I'm just saying, like, overall, like- Doc and Marnie aren't just playing with these alternate timelines. They're playing with people's mortality. And if the concept of an immortal soul is in fact real, they're playing with the fate of people's immortal souls too, by putting them in these different sets of circumstances that shape their behaviors and uh, the person they end up being when they die. Yeah.
0: Um, That's more thought than I've put into it. Um, I just, uh, uh, sure that's my (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i mean i get what you're saying but people make their own choices right it's the the whole like how i watch a lot of documentaries on serial killers and it's like he grew up in a tough house and his dad was abusive and that might be why he did this but they always follow up by saying but there's always a lot of other people who grew up in tough houses and are abused and turn out not to be serial killers. So that's really not an excuse. So I I personally think that either way it goes. So, okay. All right. So that Biff that you're talking about at the end of one is the same Biff in 2015. And that's the Biff that goes back in time that
1: gives the book to young Biff that makes him bad biff. Right, but he's taking the opportunity to make himself rich. He's not necessarily like understanding the consequences of his action are going to lead to a hellscape. Sure. Would you take would you take that opportunity? If you were old you and you were like, Oh hey, I can take a quick jaunt in this DeLorean and change my entire life and be like crazy rich. Would you take the opportunity? Probably not.
0: Just like just from watching movies, I tend to actually take a lot of life lessons from films. (laughs) Like, um, you know, if you grew up in the '90s, you learned that uh, family is more important than your job because, like, every movie was about a
1: dad that worked too hard. Elf, (laughs) Elf, you know, like Elf. Oh my God, don't get me started on the life lessons in Elf because they are nonsense. I love Elf, Jingle All the Way. I love Elf, but the the moral of that movie is. Quit your job and hang out with your kid, which really isn't the best advice for anybody. Like, yes, you can make more time for your kid, but do you have to quit your job? Like, Right. But anyway, but so uh, I think that it, me.
0: Yeah, I just don't see myself doing It's too risky, I think, just to mess with time.
1: But I agree. That's I because agree. I've seen a
0: lot of time travel movies. and I'm like, this never works out. You know,
1: I agree that it unless you're risky. Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah, I like, I, I, I... We'll have to
0: watch Bill and Ted. I love that
1: movie. I wouldn't want to uh, kind of jeopardize the happiness that I have had in life because who knows if, like, to me, having more money doesn't e- equate being right. more happy. and I'm also you know? aware, and you've said this too, that the person I was
0: in high school and in my 20s is a different person than I am now. If the person I was in my teens and 20s had unlimited power or unlimited money in this particular case, I don't
1: know that I'd end up up being a good person. Okay, on that note, then let's talk about what happens to Marty because 45-year-old Marty, or however old he is, 48-year-old Marty, is a very different person from 18-year-old Marty Like, what could have possibly happened in that guy's life to turn him into this sweaty, squirreling? You find out in three. Okay, because I was watching this and I was like, there is no way that this cool, thoughtful, funny kid was going to turn into this creepy, two-tie-wearing, work-swindling guy, you know?
0: But there's a jump in time, so... But there again, it does there is an event that happens in three that is explained as to why he ends up the way he does.
1: Okay, that's good. I'm I'm glad that yeah. they're gonna go back to that because like that was a real bitter pill for me to swallow watching this. It was just one more yeah. piece well, of the Well, I mean, this in this the first movie sense. he still lacks confidence in a lot of things. Like he's saying
0: the same insecure things that George is saying um at the beginning of one, you know, I can't yeah. take that kind of rejection and so that I think is the, if that version of Marty keeps going without any change, and he allows his insecurities to take over, that's who he becomes. And then, you know, yeah, that that all makes I think sense. that that will that I don't
1: know if you'll be happy with how it's explained, um, but it does get explained. Cool. So, I just briefly want to talk about the problematic hoverboard, because what I, problem. <laughs> The hoverboard is a problem. It's perfect! No, the hoverboard is cool. The hoverboard, it makes perfect scientific sense. It's. I'm not questioning the feasibility of the hoverboard or the mechanics of the hoverboard. Okay. I'm questioning the fact that Doc is totally okay with Marty bringing the hoverboard back to 1955. And then, Biff doesn't react at all to the hoverboard as though it's some demon magic. Because... Marty is riding a hoverboard in that tunnel, and Biff doesn't even blink at it. He goes up on the wall. He goes up over the car, like on the ceiling, to the other side of the car. He's dipping around. He is clearly on a hoverboard, except for the one long shot where you can really, like, clearly see the wheels of the hoverboard. Uh, Biff doesn't acknowledge it at all. Biff's just Biff, like, Biff, okay, oh, it's a Biff Calvin is Klein. driving."
0: <laughs> He's trying to keep track of Marty. He's trying to keep track of Gray Sports Almanac. He doesn't have time. So, like our brain fills in a lot of information that we don't take in. So, if his brain sees a guy on a board flipping in, up and his brain is going to put the wheels on that. You think so? It just it's in his peripheral. He's got other things going on.
1: This our brain is a l- pink neon hoverboard. Yeah. He's not going to pay any attention to that. If if he were uh, following that guy in a
0: car and he wasn't panicking, trying to stop this kid from stealing this book while driving down a tunnel. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think I, I could see why he wouldn't notice that he's on a hoverboard. Mm. It doesn't again. That one doesn't mm. bother me that much.
1: That's not a huge gap that.
0: We could point at other things being. A well, huge what
1: about guy. Doc just letting the hoverboard come along for the ride? Like the almanac, bad, very bad, could ruin everything. The hoverboard, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I it's think fine. because it's you can't the get sentiment. rich off that hoverboard. You can't like deconstruct the hoverboard, find out how it works, and then sell it at mass market and make a bazillion dollars. Nah, it's cool. Just bring the hoverboard. It's totally okay. Yeah, totally fine. I agree. <laughs> all right all right that's kind of all i got (laughs)
0: listen the hoverboard has to be in these films it's the hoverboard uh (laughs) like if you take nothing else from one or from two the hoverboard is like the thing every kid wanted a hoverboard and they swore i don't know if it was i went i don't know what grade you were in but i was in middle school or whatever and everybody's like, hoverboards are real. They're making them. Mattel is making them. They've got them. I've seen a video. Where there's a prototype. We were just so over the moon for freaking hoverboards. We wanted them so
1: bad. It's because Robert Zemeckis, as on one of the making of features of this, says the hoverboards are real. Mattel just won't release them out of concerns for uh, parental. Like he actually genius. said that it was real. And... And then they released, like, a video of the prototypes. So the, the video of the prototypes was real. Like, they really oh, made that and released it. It made my childhood. Oh. as a, I guess as a gag, but they did it in a very straight-faced sort of way. Uh, which, yeah, like you said, genius. Clever. Blair, Witch, Blair Witch levels of uh, clever marketing on that one. So, I mean, yeah. I, guess, I guess my end feeling after watching this movie is that Robert Zemeckis set out to make a fun summer movie and he inadvertently made one of the best movies of all time with Back to the Future. And I feel like if you mistakenly make one of the best movies of all time, maybe not mistakenly, that's a little harsh way to put yeah. it. But if you, Oops. if you make one of the best movies it's of all, all time. It's not all the years of filmmaking and training and right, schooling. Right. Yeah. And- not mistakenly, but like. I almost feel like you have an obligation to leave it alone. You know, like there's a reason why they never went back and made Forrest Gump 2, you know, and uh, well, there's no story left to tell. But I'm sorry, you cut out there. What was that? I said there's no story left to
0: tell. There's a second book. There's another book. Ah, well, no one knows that. (laughs) Like I get it. But you're starting to also teeter a lot closer to
1: ruining my childhood. No, no, and I'm not. I'm not. I don't yeah. I don't I, I hate that line of thinking. I really detest that level of fanboy nonsense. Because no, this movie doesn't ruin the first movie. The first, the first, first is movie is still there is and you damn can damn near it. perfect and I can still watch it and enjoy it and have for me it's you know.
0: Terminator two. Like a Terminator one and two are all the Terminators. And no matter how many shitty Terminator movies they make going forward, Terminator 1 and 2 are always the whole story. And the end of Terminator 2 is the end of the story. Skynet is dead and is not coming back. And that, and for me, that's, that's it. So make all the Terminators you want. I'm not going to
1: watch them because Terminator 1 and 2 is the story. That's fair. I like Terminator 3, though. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those really? people that is kind of like, yeah, I kind of dig this. I Even like-
0: with the John Connor recast, see everybody. The people I know, we're going down the side. But the people I know like are like they
1: just like the ending. They just
0: like that Skynet is
1: inevitable. And- uh, I like the ending, and I, I remember thinking, "Wow, I was brave of them to do this." Um, but I also like the film itself. I like the the female Terminator. I think that it has a lot of like great action beats. I'll watch all the... Tur- I'm I'm opposite. Like, I agree with you that I've, one and two I've is kind of it. seen them all, but I'll, but I I'll keep watching them, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> no. I've seen them all, um, I think. Uh, the only one that I'm like maybe could be canon is, and it's not because of the quality of the film, Um, is the one with Bale because mm. it takes place in this future that... Sh- this is, in my opinion, the future that would have been had John Connor not stopped it, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, that's a rough
1: movie, but I, I agree. And that's fine,
0: I can I can be okay with that existing in the
1: canon, but yeah. I like, thought the newest one with Khaleesi was okay. Like, it's okay, they're okay, but they'll never recreate that fantastic, that was, was that, you know. Which one was that? Was that Dark Fate? I don't know the names of them. The newest one, like Schwarzenegger was in- The one with Linda Hamilton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that yeah, one. was right. fine. I, I like right. it just
0: because Linda Hamilton was back. That's yeah. the only reason I watched it.
1: Yeah, it was it was okay. All right, we're way off topic here. Uh, so yeah, I'm I am very much looking forward to uh, seeing Back to the Future three. I'm enjoying the weird philosophical ideas that these movies are putting into my head. Um, yeah, and, and I think these conversations are worthwhile. Um, again, once again, we don't even <laughs> mention Spielberg on our Spielberg podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, he did something with these, right? He's the executive producer of some yeah.
1: garbage. Yeah, he's the executive producer. We no. just
0: wanted to watch Back to the Future. Cut <laughs> us a break. We had to watch Always, and what was the one before it that we... Oh, Empire of the Sun, which is the one I hated more than you did.
1: Yeah, we needed a bit of lightness in our lives. So, okay, I, uh, just, to, just to line it up, um, we should mention that we've gotten a little out of order on these things.
0: Okay, what had happened was... Uh, so, Always... And last crusade come out in the same year. 89. Uh, always came out after last crusade. Last crusade was a summer blockbuster. Always was like a family Christmas movie. So my bad. And I'll say that again tomorrow's or next week's episode. My bad. I'm not going to fix it. Deal with it. We're not (laughs) re-recorded. I'm not watching always again. (laughs) It is what it is. In this timeline, this movie came out first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To blame Doc and Marty. So yeah, so next next week we'll be back with the Last Crusade. And then the following week after that, then we will have uh Back to the Future three. And uh looking forward to that. And I think Hook is
0: after that, isn't it? I oh. think
1: and then and then Hook. The long awaited Hook. And then it's just denouement after that. It's just it's all <laughs> it's all townhill. No, there's, a a, some, there's some great movies after Hunt. I mean, listen, I'm not necessarily looking forward to watching Schindler's List again, but it is a very good film. It is a great movie, yeah. There, we got a lot of really great movies, and then some clunkers along the way, too. But, yeah, uh, yeah I don't Eddie think we're Blair even – we're not even halfway, right? Like, there there's
0: uh, – I think we are right at halfway. Let me check. All right, I, I you I think you're right. We're not halfway, but we're getting there. So, on the list, we have – of Spielberg's films 39 including the fable men's which we don't know when that's coming out. Right. Uh and we have reviewed 16. So we're
1: not quite halfway not yet. Not quite halfway, but we're we're oh. getting there. And we oh. might throw in a bunch more bonus episodes too oh, just because they're fun. Hook. They're fun for us. Jurassic Park. Oh my god, I can't wait to watch Jurassic Park again. How does somebody go from Hook to Jurassic Park? It's just some oh. of these transitions are just, just mind blowing. Parrot peru- into the <laughs> like uh oh.
0: I can't wait There's so many <laughs> like I mean, because we got Private Ryan, Minority Report, Minority catch Report, if you can't or the God, world's. We got some great me. ones coming up. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, well, if you want more from Eric, be sure to check out Gaming He's on YouTube. Uh, his YouTube channel is in the links in the description. It's Eric Hotter on Twitter. Eric underscore Hodder. Uh, You can follow the podcast that Spielberg Chrono on Twitter. You can follow me at podcast by Jeff. Also check out the movie draft house, wherever you get your podcasts. And like uh, Eric said, that one, I'm much more angry
1: and negative. Good times. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening as usual. And we will see you next week for Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Good night. Bye.